G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story it was a tragic year for us, 1975. My wife was pregnant with John Paul and my eldest son, Ted, was about eight years of age or nine. And he had an accident at school when one of the other school children in the International School of Marprick. But by the time we got him into a hospital, my wife was with him. The stress of all that, she started to hemorrhage and uh, she was in hospital too. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have part two of our three-part conversation with retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans, reflecting on his eventful life journey. Last time, we heard about his experiences growing up as a missionary kid in India, and then later as a pastor's kid here in Australia. We also heard the amazing story of how God called him to be a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Now, he'll share more of his overseas adventures and about the time he was feeling lonely on the mission field. He's chatting with Shelley Scowen. You were about 22 years old at this stage, Fred, and uh, you really wanted a woman in your life. But that's when you made a bit of a wrong decision. You jumped ahead of God. Yes, I was very, very lonely and, uh, should I say it, but the, the local girls started to come around my little shack and used to worry me a little bit. And I think, oh, Lord, I need to get married to protect myself. Yeah. So I... Uh, I, only girl I knew was one I'd met in Bible school. And uh, at the time and when I was in Bible school, well, we were good friends and she wanted to go serious. And I said, no, I can't go serious. I want to because I've got to find out the will of God for my life and all the rest of it. Anyhow, when I got to the mission field and I said, this is it. I'm, this is what I want to do. I want to be a missionary. I'm satisfied. I know the will of God now and I'm in the center of God's will. So I might as well get make a decision and get married. And so I wrote to this girl. Uh, imp- uh, oh, I was really uh, impetuous, I suppose, and I wrote to her and said, would you marry me? And she accepted. And uh, I went out into the mission station, shot my twenty-two rifle in the air and sang, I'll never be lonely again, never again. <laughs> That's to give you an idea of how lonely I was, you know. Yeah. So overjoyed to be engaged to this girl. At any rate, I get some bad news uh, about three weeks later from our Central Missions Council, from the Foreign Missions Department of the Assemblies of God, and they said to us, Freddie, we've heard that you got engaged. Regrettably, the, the lady you have become engaged to is not acceptable as a missionary candidate. And I was incensed. I was absolutely incensed. I wrote to them, how dare you try and stop me from being married, who I want to marry? Not spiritual, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) I was quite upset by it all. Anyhow, the long and the short of it is this, that God knows best. Yeah. And he used those men in office, those executive men and the head of the missions department to put a break on my decision to marry that girl, gave me the option, 
We're not saying you can't marry her, Fred, but if you marry her, you have to leave the mission field. So I had a choice to either marry her or stay as a missionary. Wow, that's a big choice. It was a big call for me, I tell you, and I was quite traumatized by it all when I decided to go God's way and accept their will as God's will. Wow, that's Uh, huge. That is huge. And uh, later on, of course, I realized it was fortunate that I took that step. Now, then from there, I uh, I said, well, Lord, what do I do? What do I do now? You, you, uh, and so I served the rest of my term, my three-year term in New Guinea, and I came home. But just before I came home, I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to find a wife in six months. We had six months furlough. How can I possibly find a wife in six months? Don't know any girls in Australia. And uh, (laughs) this is quite romantic to some, and it was to me too. But my brother showed me a photo of his wedding. And in that wedding party was this tall, statuesque model. Or to me, looked like a statuesque model. Classical... (laughs) Queensland girl, beautiful girl. And, uh, I took the picture down, the photo down into the prayer retreat where I used to walk up and down and pray in the bush. And I said, Lord, I don't know who I'm going to meet, but see this girl here? I like her. I'd like to marry her. Can you give her to me? I'd never met her in my life. Wow. Her name was Betty Bell. <laughs> and I, she was... I don't know if uh, you've seen the picture of her, but she was a tall girl. She had long legs, and I touched her legs with my finger and said, Lord, give me that girl. Typical male, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, after that prayer, six months later, I went home on furlough, and I was expecting all the people from the church to be at the airport to welcome me home, but there was nobody. (laughs) Yeah, just one mate. You didn't get that hero's welcome. So he took me to the Bible school where I had to, was the only place I could find accommodation here in Brisbane. And uh, the principal said, do you want to have a look around the Bible school? I said, I'd love to. It's a new premises that they built at Graceful on the Brisbane River. And uh, he took me downstairs to the prayer room. And as he opened the door, there was Betty. She had long plaits. I can still see her in my mind's eye. This is over 50 years ago. <laughs> I could, she had long plaits, and she was studying for her midwifery exam, ch- her child welfare midwifery exam, her third uh, nursing certificate. And as soon as I saw her, I knew she was the one I was going to marry. Wow. The Spirit of God just convicted. You know, I just had that assurance in my spirit. So the next day... Uh, I made sure I'd I'd catch up with her and I used to take her to the train station at Graceful to catch the train into the city and then go to Marta Hospital for training. And uh, every day I'd meet her at the train and walk her home and we'd talk for about a week. And during that first week, she used to say to me, uh, she had applied to become a missionary in her own right and she had been accepted to be a missionary in her own right. Wow. By the missions council, the same missions council that rejected my first uh, ex- exercise in finding a wife, 
they they had accepted her not knowing that I was interested in her wow. prior to me being interested in her. Wow, that's a great sign from God, isn't it? It is. Yeah, to know that that was the direction you were heading. And you only knew each other. Well, actually, can I ask? Because you said that you felt like immediately that this was the woman yeah. that you were going to marry. Did she have similar feelings? No, no. At what Although point did it kick said- in for her? Although she said to me, she said, when I was with you, I felt safe. Yeah. Because she'd had broken relationships before, you know, for, with other young men and uh, who were in, trying to find out the will of God for their lives, etc. Yeah. But she said, when I was with you, I felt safe. We, I proposed to her uh, this, a week later. She said, give me time. <laughs> what? So you gave her, what, two weeks after you met? No. I gave her a day. <laughs> <laughs> and the next night, we were actually in the the, the, the pastor of the house. And it was in the pastor's house, and the pastor's wife was knew something was up. So she said, you go into the lounge room and talk with Betty. So I'd go into the lounge room of the manse and talk with Betty, and she would disappear. The, the pastor's wife would disappear, leave us alone. <laughs> and I was there, and I proposed to Betty. And, and the second night, she... She agreed and she accepted. And anyhow, she still didn't really know me. And I didn't know her apart from what I'd seen and read and so on about her. But uh, then we, to cut a long story short, six months later, uh, we got married at Glad Tidings Tabernacle in Brisbane City, which is now no longer but in that church there. And while she was walking down the aisle, she said to herself, my goodness me, what am I doing? I don't even know this man. <laughs> yep, she, that's a scary thought. It's a scary thought, all right. And you can ask yourself, she'll tell you the same story. And she came and stood at the altar with me, and I took her by the hand, and as soon as I took her by the hand, she knew it was right. Yeah. And then the love started to flow, and she, she said, I fell in love with you after I married you. You headed straight back to PNG and this time with your beautiful wife on your arm. And you would describe those next three or four years as some of the happiest of your life? Yes, they were. Why would you oh, say that? Well, it, uh, just that we, we were both of us sold out to God and the vision that God had given to us that, to serve Him. And of course, we had each other and we were. Our first uh, appointment was actually living in a village, the village of Kalabu, which was not far from Maprik, and uh, it was a large village of over a thousand people. And we were immersed right in this village where the mission station was, and we saw all the action, all the life of the village, and uh, we were part of them, and they were part of us in, in lots of ways. So it was really exciting. Did you find, too, that you were more and more accepted? I mean, obviously, you had already spent the other years there. Um, I'm sure it would take a little bit of time to build up that rapport with the community at the very beginning. So when you went back, it was all there? Yes. Uh, the exciting part was I had been there before, of course, and they had embraced me. And when I brought the bride home, they have, in their mind, they had helped to buy the bride price by sending uh, money to when on when we got married. And so here I was bringing the bride back to New Guinea and they uh, felt that they kind of owned her in their wow. culture. 
So she, Betty fitted in really well. I say to this day that she was a better missionary, better cross-culturally than I was. <laughs> they loved her. The village people just loved her, particularly the women. Really? And she'd pass on her skills in sewing and and uh, you know making dresses making lap laps and making clothes and mary blouses etc with the women and they, you know how it is they just chat and talk together and yeah she won their hearts very quickly wow that's wonderful and i think it's great too how she was already had just been endorsed as a missionary in her own right to go to PNG when you guys met and really like you can see how god just had it planned from the beginning hey <laughs> It's just, it is amazing, you know, if you put God first, I have a, I, I really believe in that scripture says the steps of a good person, steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Yeah. And uh, if you just put God first in your life, you don't need to worry and sweat over what you're going to do. Just keep moving forward in him and he will guide you. He will open and close doors. And yes. that's what happened with us. Absolutely. Your story is really great testament to that fact. I think it's, it's wonderful. You're listening to The Story. Today, retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans is once again sharing his life journey. We just heard how the Lord led him to his wife. Next, we'll hear about a sad chapter in their lives when they faced a number of health challenges while serving together as missionaries in Papua New Guinea. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans sharing about his eventful life journey. Before the break, we heard how the Lord led him to his wife, Betty, and how they love to serve together as missionaries in PNG. Next, we'll hear about the time they received some heartbreaking news after going through a series of troubling events on the mission field. Fred's chatting with Shelley Scowen. So you were back to PNG this time with Betty. Were you doing similar things to what you were last time, preaching and teaching in the schools? Yes, we. Uh, I, I did a lot of the preaching. Of course, we used to go out into the village, and this is where Betty was so good. She'd, she said to me, you know, time to go out to the villages, and she would uh, encourage me to get out into the villages and preach the gospel. She, she was willing to sacrifice her time with me for the people and for the sake of the gospel. Mm. Uh, and uh, she lived like that all her life. The, the kingdom of God came first, and uh, we lived that way, and it was a great blessing. She showed that testimony to the people, of course, and uh, they caught on quickly. Yeah. Well, one thing that happens when people get married is that often small children come along pretty quickly, and that was the case for you guys. So you had a few babies there in PNG. Yes, we had two, our first two sons were born uh, two years apart in 1987, I think it was, in 88. And uh, they grew up uh, in the early years in New Guinea. And of course, once we had children, then we had arrived as far as the nationals were concerned. Mm. We were 
we were a family. <laughs> yes. Until you got children, you're not a you know you you, you get you're getting there, but you're not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. I think to a degree, that's kind of the same in Aussie culture too. Yes, I guess it's so. I guess for me, it was uh, before when I was a single man. I was a a boy, you know. I was Master Freddie, Pastor Freddie. Yeah. And uh, when I became when I got married, uh, this is if uh, I'd matured, you know, and they started to listen to me. I was no longer a youth because I was fairly young-looking, sort of Westerner in their midst. Yeah. And but once I got married, there seemed to be a switch, and they started to listen to my preaching much more. Interesting. At least I thought so. <laughs> Interesting. Fred, you have an incredible story to tell. You mentioned that you had those two beautiful boys born in PNG. There was a third son that you had in PNG as well, a beautiful little boy, but tragedy ensued when he was only seven days old. Yes, it was It was a tragic year for us. 1975, my wife was pregnant with John Paul and my eldest son, Ted, was about eight years of age or nine and he had an accident at school when one of the other school children in the international school at Marprick, uh, well, they were playing with tins and one, one child threw a tin at him and it, it severed the tendon at the back of his leg, oh. cut through the tendon at the back of his leg right down near his ankle. And of course, we were quite some distance from any good hospitals. So we had to rush him into hospital with, uh, through the MAF, Missionary Aviation Fellowship. They sent their plane in, picked him up, and uh, rushed him into hospital. But by the time we got him into hospital, my wife was with him. The stress of all that, she started to uh, hem- hemorrhage, and uh, so she, it was, she was in hospital too. And eventually... Uh, the operation on our little boy, Ted, he was successful. They had to pull the tendon down from the back of it, shrunk right up the back of his leg. And so they sewed it up and completed the operation, but he contracted serum hepatitis from dirty needles. Oh, no. <laughs> one of those things. And there was a hepatitis epidemic at the time, and one of our pastors died from it. And now he's got this hepatitis was yellow, completely yellow, the poor little boy. So he sent out prayer requests all over Australia and they prayed for him and thanked the Lord. He did recover, but my wife, the stress of it all, she uh, gave premature birth to John Paul and he uh, fought for his life for about uh, a week. Uh, the conditions there in the hospital weren't conducive to maintaining him for much length of time. In fact, my wife, being a nurse, said, you know, they gave him so much oxygen he would have damaged the brain, etc. Mm. Anyhow, he he died. And after a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, and I, I telegrammed, no emails in those days, telegrammed mm. Australia to pray for him, the churches in Australia, and they did, but we lost him. Mm. And it was quite a shock to me as, very primitive. I mean, they just handed his body to me wrapped in a hospital-issued towel. And here's your baby. And uh, oh. I had to drive back to the mission station in my old Jeep with my baby on my lap. And uh, it was quite traumatic, all oh. that. And uh, you start to wonder where God is in it all. 
But you know, God is in it, in a strange sort of way that we humans don't understand. His sovereign grace is still there with us, and he uses it for good. Mm. It's very hard to see that good, though, when you're carrying the body of your seven-day-old child on your lap. In a yes, heap. oh, yes. Yeah. The Lord, the, one of our missionary friends who recently passed away, he, he, uh, he was there, and he said, he said, I'll look after it, Fred. He says, because there's no, we never had any funeral directors or funeral operators there in New Guinea at all, so we had to do it all ourselves. So this missionary friend of my colleague, he made a little coffin and and uh, we had to quickly bury him as soon as we could because of the heat, the tropical heat. Oh, true. There's no refrigeration, you know, for the body and so on. So we he worked uh, quite feverishly and got the coffin made and we took the little baby to uh, an area where they were a burial spot under a big rain tree and we buried him there just a missionary friend of mine and the, and the local pastor. Betty was too sick to even attend. She'd, she'd hemorrhaged and they had, they had uh, given her uh, New Guinea blood transfusion and it was laced with malaria parasites. Oh, no. And so she got a massive dose of malaria, which nearly took her, nearly, she nearly lost her life. Oh. And, uh, you know, so we had all these <laughs> dramas so, happening at the same time. <laughs> that would have been awful for you then. I mean, with a, a baby who had died, a wife who was uh, in a very bad way, and I assume you still had to look after the two older children yourself as well. Well, fortunately, when you're with a mission society, you've got the missionaries all come together and support you. So we had mm. missionaries who did care for the children. Uh, Ted was... Uh, Ted was, uh, of course, suffering from that uh, operation, and he was yes. recovering. And uh, but we did have that support, which was wonderful. Oh. How did you navigate it with the two older kids? You know, explaining what had happened and and you know God's sovereign will in all of this. Well, um, I guess you just they with you. I mean, even poor Ted, the eldest boy, he saw his mother hemorrhaging. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, he's only a young lad and wondering what's happening to mum. She was hemorrhaging in the in the little house we were living in, the guest house. Yeah. And so we had to rush him to hospital, rush her to hospital. And one of the missionaries took him aside and and uh, cared for him. But poor little boy, he he suffered trauma to it. To this day, he remembers it. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. That was part two of Shelley Scowen's three-part conversation with retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans, reflecting on his life journey. And once again, there's more to his story. We just heard how he and his wife Betty served as missionaries in PNG for several years and about some of the challenges they faced. Next time, we'll hear about their return to Australia and how Fred goes on to serve as a pastor at a number of churches. But before we end, I think it'd be good for us to reflect on some of the words Fred shared with us earlier in today's program. He said, if you put God first in your life, you don't need to worry over what you're going to do. Just keep moving forward in Him and He will guide you. He will open and close doors and that's what happened with us. He also shared this verse from Psalms, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in His way and blesses His path. Good news for all of us. Well, once again, we invite you to join us next time for the conclusion of our conversation with Fred Evans. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story 
with someone today. Next time on The Story. I went through what you call a crisis of faith and I felt absolutely hopeless. And I remember going to a uh, church and the pastor, it was during communion, he lifted up the bread and the wine, held it in his hands and as if he was looking straight at me, he said these words, this is your only hope. Retired missionary and pastor Fred Evans joins us once again to share his reflections on his eventful life journey. After serving overseas for several years with his wife in PNG, they eventually returned to serve in Australia. He'll share about the time he was surprised to find himself suffering from depression. That and more next time. The The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.